Welcome to a Pearlcast interview segment with your host, Josh McAdams. Hello and welcome back to Pearlcast. This is your host, Josh McAdams. I'm here with an interview with Curtis Ovid Poe. This interview was recorded at the Nordic Pearl Workshop 2007, and the interview is about logic programming. Pearlcast is sponsored in part by Stonehenge Consulting. Stonehenge offers worldwide Pearl training and consulting services from some of Pearl's most recognized experts. Visit Stonehenge.com to find out more. This is Josh McAdams here, uh, right after the Nordic Pearl Workshop 2007. I'm back with Ovid, and we are going to talk a little bit about logic programming. And I think Lo- uh, Ovid is responsible for creating the Prolog modules for Pearl. AI Prolog. There's actually quite a number of other ones out there. Um, some have been abortive attempts. Uh, one of the nicest out there is uh, Language Prolog Yazui by, uh, I believe, Salvador Fandino. And that's an integra- that integrates into SWI Prolog. It's very fast. It's very powerful. Doesn't do everything SWI Prolog does. It can be a little bit tricky to compile, but AI Prolog was a pure Perl implementation, um, which I originally ported from W Prolog uh, by Dr. Michael Winnikoff with his permission. Um, and there was another branch of that, which I borrowed some other things from. And then I did a little bit of a work to rewrite some of the syntax on the fly so you could actually get mathematical expressions in there, something which I hadn't had before. But it was a lot of fun. Very cool. Well, I guess before we get too deep into it, logic programming and, well, Prolog, I'm sure everybody's heard of as a language, but log- logic programming itself, what is that about? Okay. Um, well, Prolog isn't the only implementation, but ignoring that, logic programming, basically, if you've ever worked with regular expressions or SQL, and I'm sure you have, you know something which is conceptually fairly similar. As programmers, what we usually do, we're given a goal, and we outline the steps it takes to get to the goal. We tell the computer, do this, do that, do the other thing until you get to your goal. In logic programming, you effectively describe your goal. You give it all the facts it needs to know, the rules and how it relates to facts, and then you say, this is the goal I want, and it figures out how to get there. For example, you can say, a cat is a mammal. Uh, Fluffy is a cat. And then your goal can be asking, is Fluffy a mammal? Well, we know it's true, and that logical inference is there, but languages like Perl and others, um, they don't do as well with relationships like this. You have to manually construct all of the rules in order to traverse the relationships. That sort of thing's built into logic programming languages, and it makes it very easy to create huge relationships and infer a lot of extra information from them. So it's often used for genealogy, uh, natural language processing, quite a number of areas. I even have a little text adventure that I've uploaded along with it just to make it simple and fun. So, so yeah, what motivated you to actually write the AI Prolog module? Was it just for fun, or is there actually a, a really good use for that in Perl? Um, I wouldn't say there's a good use for AI Prolog specifically uh, because it's very slow. Um, logic programming itself can be extremely powerful, and there's lots of problems which it's going to solve a lot easier than Perl. Um, again, scheduling problems are a big area which uh, AI or which Prolog-based systems are often dealing with. Uh, expert systems, uh, doctors will often use these where you have a set of conditions and it tries to figure out what the overall problem is based on those conditions. Uh, so you can often use this to solve difficult problems which have heavy search needs which Perl's not going to handle terribly well. And so it seems like the whole logic programming is going to be very, or the logic engine there is going to be pretty slow typically. And you said the pure Perl one was slow. Yes. um, Actually, the way it works right now is logic programming, uh, 
modern logic programming languages, uh, their speed is measured in what's called logical inferences per second, which goes by the unfortunate acronym of LIPS. So modern languages uh, run several million LIPS. Um, and AI Prolog, depending upon the machine and the task you're running it on, can be between one to 5,000 LIPS. Oh, wow. Very slow. By contrast, the human brain runs between, on average, one to four LIPS. So logic is not everything in cognition. Um, and that was the one thing I was disappointed about with AI Prologue. It was very difficult for me to optimize it. I actually got it to run about 30% faster. And a lot of people have wanted to use it for declarative systems where you could simply say, here's a pattern of information that I have. Give me some results which happen to match this pattern. And I know actually Windows NT uses this, believe it or not. They use a, a mini prologue embedded in their system for scheduling tasks, something a lot of folks didn't know. No, that's... So, so if somebody was going to use something like that in Perl, you would, that first module you had spoken of... Is that Language prologue Yasui is very good. Um, there's others which I know of which are being developed that I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything about. The author was... Basically, they're solutions which effectively shell out to um, the other language and use expect or similar tools to simply hand off the data to the other language and they scrape the output and say, okay, these are the results you have. There's a variety of ways you can take advantage of these systems if you need to. And you'd also mentioned modern programming or modern logical programming languages. So I'm guessing Prolog is probably not one of the modern ones. No, oh, uh, Prolog came out in uh, 71, 72, something like that. Um, one of the ones which has been coming up recently is Mercury. Um, I, it's been in alpha, I guess, for a long time. I really haven't played with it much. Um, and there was some talk at one point about putting logic programming directly into Perl 6. And I think they would have... No offense to Larry, Damien, or anyone else, but I think it would have been implemented incorrectly. So I'm kind of glad that it didn't actually get there. Gotcha. So it was, it's not going, there's no logic programming going into Perl 6. What were they planning on doing? I guess? They weren't planning on doing anything. Um, I gave a talk about logic programming in Perl at um, two OSCONs ago. That would have been, what, 2006, I think it was, in Portland. Five. They I just think. had 2007. No, no. So right, it would have yeah. been 2005. Yeah. Well, well, I gave it an Oscon. Yeah. And uh, Larry and Damien both showed up, and they were asking questions about what would it take to put this in Perl 6. And oh, I'm, you planted a seed. Yeah, yeah I, well, I was wetting my pants. They're asking me these questions. Oh, my goodness. Um, and it was eventually, the idea was tabled, even though you possibly could have hooked into the Perl 6 rules engine, uh, because logic programming uses a lot of backtracking, and regular expressions use a lot of backtracking, and it would have been a very good fit. And I actually see some things in Perl 6 rules which might make it easy to put logic programming in there. Um, unfortunately, logic programming has some limitations, and it has some of the limitations that SQL has in that it tends to return bags of data instead of sets, and there's all sorts of bugs inherent in that, and it can be very finicky to work with. So. I'm glad they delayed it simply because they probably would have re-implemented a lot of the problems which are currently out there with these systems. I'm going to be really dumb. I heard you and somebody else today talk about the difference in bags and sets. Oh, um, a set is a set of discrete data where basically nothing can be repeated. In bags it can be. Right. And so 
one thing with the original relational model, for example, in SQL, uh, well, SQL doesn't follow the relational model. The original relational model required that everything you got back be a set. So everything you knew was a distinct individual. And you had the problem that I call the dumb accountant problem. You go to your accountant and you say, look, I'm planning a trip to several different countries. I want to put on a, you know, one-to-one talks with our customers who have the most amount of money because I want to make a lot of money. What cities do they live in? And your accountant does some research, comes back to you and says, okay, I got the cities. Those are London, Paris, San Antonio, London, 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 Portland, London. And stop. Wait, 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 wait. Why are you repeating all those? Because we have customers who live in them. The thing is you don't need to repeat that information. That's a bag of data. And a bag of data is almost invariably useless. But that's what SQL tends to return. Uh, you could put distinct on a select statement in SQL, uh, but that doesn't work either because select distinct total from orders, oh great, I got an order which is $100. How many was that? So then you have to remember actually to select distinct with the order ID to make sure you actually have distinct meanings, not just distinct values. And that's the problem logic programming tends to stumble over. And you see it a lot in beginning news groups. And you can actually replicate some of these problems in regular expressions if you're not careful. And if this was tied into Perl 6, I'd be concerned that the same thing would happen over again. Um, it's very wasteful. It's very inefficient. It tends to generate incorrect answers, particularly for trying to sum things. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that is actually. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a complicated thing to explain, and I've tried hard to figure out ways of getting this across. But the two problems are, one, people don't see how to actually use this, and two, once they see how to use this, they keep stumbling across the common errors, like, again, bags instead of sets, which people keep coming up with. You see this in Compline, Prolog, MISC all the time. And that they get bags back and expected sets. Yes. Yes. So SQL, I'm going to go tangent. This is interesting. SQL is not relational. No. So that, contrary possibly to a lot of the things that people assume. There is, to the best of my knowledge, only one relational database out there, at least one I've heard of. It's by a company called Alphora, or maybe that's the name of the pr- No, the product is called Datafor. company is Alphora, or maybe I have that the other way around. Um, and they try to implement the original la- uh, relational model proposed by EFCOD, and later, you know, that CJ date and others have been pushing hard. And the relational model has all sorts of interesting rules to it, which are actually based upon mathematical theory, which is pretty rigorous. SQL is something that vendors have cooked up and eventually settled on. And a lot of folks aren't aware of the fact that SQL is actually relatively recent. The concept of databases as we use them is almost new. Even in the early 80s, you had quite a number of different dialects of languages competing for the territory in databases. And there was even a lot of discussion as to what a database was. And SQL kind of won out. But it allows you to do stupid things like select customer name from customer where customer age greater than customer ID. In tutorial D, uh, the language which... uh, CJ date proposes for people understanding how relational systems would actually work, that would be a compile time error. That you've tried to do the age and the ID? Right. It doesn't make sense because every attribute, I'll try and I'll try and avoid a complicated terms here like relationship tables they call relationships and they get weird. Yeah. But basically every attribute has a data type. And every data type you have it's actually a subset, kind of analogous to the Perl 6 subset. Uh, you have to specify how you can compare it or relate it to other data types. So you wouldn't have a comparison between age and ID. 
Now, would you have a comparison between customer age, customer weight? Probably not, but what if it's a medical database? And what if you think that their weight relative to their age is actually important? Like if they're, yes, six months old. That could be, at that point, important for you to be able to make that distinction. So you need to be able to specify these data types and how they relate with one another. And that's one of the many areas that SQL tends to fall down on. That's pretty interesting. Very cool. Well, I made a stray from logic programming, I guess, some. So is there anything else on that? I know you had wanted to mention the Perl 6 stuff. Um, there's not much to say about the Perl 6 stuff. I'm trying to figure out the logic, uh, trying to figure out how the implementation behind it would be rather difficult, how it would be presented to the user. In Perl 6, you have something called a twiggle, where you have the first sigil, which is like dollar, at, or percent, and you might have a second one afterwards, like dollar, asterisk, something, would be a global variable. Um, so the second uh, punctuation mark there is called a twiggle. And so for logic variables, there was some discussion by Luke Palmer of using uh, the dollar sign and the tilde to represent a logic variable. And we there's actually something roughly analogous to this in Perl 6 called ooh, a hypothetical variable which might or might not get bound to something and it would be a perfect fit for logic for logic programming because then you could say this might have this value and if it fails and if this subroutine for example or this block returns false then we're going to go ahead and unbind that value and it'll no longer have a value only if everything succeeds will these hypothetical variables retain their values i haven't studied them much yet but it would be a fantastic way of possibly hooking this in there ah. yes they're they're confusing i know yeah. Cool. Well, in that case, I guess that's all I have, unless you want to take it somewhere else. I can't think of anything else to say. It's a complicated topic. It's one that um, I've been just exploring with, and I'm certainly not a genius at, um, and I'd love to learn a lot more about it. And but, you've actually written about it, though, right? The, the logical programming stuff in a few... The Perl Review, I published an article uh, on logic programming in Perl, and Brian Foy was kind enough to let me take that and also put that in the AI Prologue module. Uh, so I think it's like AI Prologue article or something like that. Nice. So if you download the distribution, you can read the original article that was in the Perl Review. And it gives you a fairly decent overview of how... Perl's way of doing things and Prolog's way of doing things are significantly different. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Ovid. You're quite welcome. Thank you for listening to another Perlcast interview. Have something to say to the Perl community? Got an idea for an interview or maybe just have some feedback for the show? We'd love to hear from you here at Perlcast. Send an email to perlcast at gmail.com and let us know what's on your mind.